Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DGen Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast sponsored by Draft.com. Join Draft right now using promo code DGen and get a free $3 ticket for attorney of your choice after you make a minimum deposit of $10. If you crush your season-long NFL league with a snake draft, this site is for you. The Draft guys actually have a huge Huge million-dollar first prize best ball tourney uh, that they have set up already. Million dollars to the first place for the NFL. Uh, go check the site out. They're, they're, they're putting a lot of big-time prizes, a lot of big-time money onto the site. They still have the golf, the snake drafts, the no-salary cap drafts. But this best ball for football is crazy. Million dollars to the winner. Um, as usual, I am here with my partner in crime, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how you doing this week? I'm doing good, Kenny. I'm excited. Uh, I'm really happy to get last week out of the way. Uh, let Paul Casey, you know, get out of the hospital and get his thing going and, and get out of the next event because it did not end well for me. But we'll get it yeah. done. Uh, so I do have a d- surprise for you, the DJ Nation here. We do have a special guest this evening, Ryan Baroff, who most of you guys know from the Golflandia podcast. Uh, he is here to talk about the memorial in Muirfield Village. I guess Ryan is knows the course pretty well. He's going to give his insight on the course and uh, everything to do, the look for, for golfers to look for. It's nice having that insight this week on the Murfield Village. Ryan, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good, Kenny. I appreciate uh, the invite uh, from you and Tyler. Uh, this was actually one of the, the first podcasts that I listened to back in the day, and I think when I started Twitter or whatever, four or five years ago, um, 
uh, your buddy Zach Woods was one of the first people who I talked to, you know, uh, just about fantasy golf in general. So um, kind of more than happy to be on. Um, I've actually played this course before, so maybe you can offer a little bit of, of uh, extra information there. But um, yeah, really excited for the week. I, you know, for the first question I do have to ask you, Ryan, is have you ever had one of those milkshakes? Of course. They are delicious. You did? Yes. Dude, I'm delicious. So you, so you, if you just go there and you play the course, you can get a milkshake. But there's only the one, one, right? But there's only one, you know, I'm from Ohio, so uh, that's kind of why I'm there. But the Buckeye milkshake, you know, uh, the combination of the chocolate, the peanut butter, like that is the only way to go. Damn. Okay. All right. It seems like getting that milkshake is like the holy grail of like milkshakes. Like it's impossible to get. Like I know people who've gone to the course uh, watching the event and they've literally tried everything they possibly could. No, you got to be there. So with you gotta a mem- yeah. You got to be there with a member or uh, you got to be there playing for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like the Holy grail of milkshakes. That's an expensive milkshake though. So got to be there playing. Before, before we get into this week, I would like to take a moment to uh, say, you know, it is Memorial day here in the United States. Um, and I would like to honor uh, and remember all those who gave their lives, who sacrificed themselves for the good of our country, for the good of the United States. We remember it. We, we're proud of it. We thank you for um, your service and for the, for the current military who's out there or past military who have uh, fought for our freedoms here in the United States. We respect you. We thank you so much. One thing that, you know, having one day a year or a couple of days a year to celebrate, you know, the military here in the United States, I think is a little bit lost. Um, I, what I do. As, as a person, anytime I, and maybe you should do this too, you listeners, if you guys see somebody in uniform uh, or you know somebody who has served our country, um, you know, go up to them, shake their hand and thank them for the service. I, I'm not a military man. I wouldn't know how it feels, but I would suspect that that would give these guys and the ladies uh, a good feeling. So you know, you want to do some good this week or for the rest of your life. I do it all the time. I've been doing this, you know, a lot of times when I see someone in full uniform coming to the restaurant, work out, they usually pick up their first beer or something like that. I mean, just little things because these guys sacrifice and their families sacrifice so much uh, to give the freedoms that we have for our country. So once again, uh, happy Memorial Day. Uh, we salute all the all the fallen, all the current uh, people out there serving our country. Tambo, you guys don't do this uh, in Canada today, do we? Do you? Uh, we, do, we don't, but uh, for, for all my American brethren from the Canadian guy, definitely, th- you know, thank you guys for everything. I wish you a happy Memorial Day to the best out there. And, yeah, let's uh, let's focus on some golf, man. Let's get it going here this week. What do we got? Before, before, before we do that, I will say, you know, Memorial Day in the United States is, is celebrated with, you know, grilling some type of meat over an open flame, cracking cold beers. I like know, that. Being with friends. Yeah, being with friends. You know, a lot of people don't like that thing. They don't, they don't, they don't think that that's useful enough to give enough homage to the people who gave service. But, you know, really, that's the most Americana thing there is. You know, grilling meat, drinking a cold beer, hanging out with friends. It gives us that freedom. Now, I went to a party yesterday. And I go to this party every year. And, and as I've gotten older, you know, these these – cookouts tend to change like i'm no longer like duct taping 40 ounces of oe to my hands while you know half naked women like feed me you know slices of meat it's not like that anymore as we get older uh now now all my friends have kids uh, i'm like the only single guy with no children of all my friends so basically memorial day cookouts become like 
like uh, babysitting time for me. Like I'm Uncle Kenny uh, all day. I don't mind doing that. You know, all my friends, they have to deal with these heathens. And that's what these little toddlers, most of them are. They're freaking straight heathens, little devils running around all day. They got to deal with them 24-7. So I don't mind giving my friends a little bit of a break on Memorial Day and taking care of their kids, playing with them out in, in the uh, – in the, uh, you know, we go to my buddy's house. He has a big old playground outside and the kids are playing out there. And like when you get like 10 to 12 of these little like toddlers, like two to six, it's like Game of Thrones up in that bitch. Like there's like violence, like backstabbing, like all this crazy shit going on with these little <laughs> ones. Uh, and I do have to say, I never really felt the benefits of having children. Like I, I'm not, I, I never really did until last night. So last night, um, I was watching all these kids playing around and one of the, one of my buddies, he has a little daughter. I think she's like four years old. Uh, you know, all day, you know, he was telling her, you know, you don't climb up the slide. You go down the slide. Don't climb up the slide. It's dangerous. And so, you know, I'm watching all these little kids play and I see, um, one little kid, like a three-year-old little boy, that starts running up the slide. He comes back down, runs up the slide again. And this little girl turns to me, right? Mouth agape, like runs to me. And he's like, that kid, you know, he, he 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 walked up the stair. He walked up the slide. He's evil. I grabbed this little girl by the shoulder, looked her straight in the eye, and said, "Snitches get stitches." <laughs> and, you know, basically, then basically, I I went on to say, you know, how people don't like tattletales. So I go home. I get a call later on that evening from um, from her mother. Uh, now all the moms, they really all the wives, they really don't like me. I'm like the single guy that get their husbands in trouble. So like, I'm sort of like ostracized by all the wives of my friends. Um, and so she gives me a call and she's like, what the hell did you tell my daughter this, this afternoon? I was like, what do you mean? And she goes on to telling me a story. I guess her, uh, her daughter and her son were in the other room. They walk, she walks in and she notices like a soda that's spilt on the floor. So she walks up to her daughter and is like, who did this? And her daughter looked right up at her mom and said, snitches get stitches. I have never been so proud of anything ever in my life. So I, I finally realized the benefit of having children. I've never been so proud of anything ever before in my life. That girl just looked straight at her mom and said, snitches get stitches. And so, yeah, her mom was not pleased. And she started yelling at me and berating me after I told her I did say that. And I was like, fuck you, bitch. Um, you know I mean, like, yeah, she was like, why did you say something like that? And this is a lie. The kid's a good kid. But I was like, there's a 50-50 chance that your daughter's going to end up in a penal system. So I'm trying to give her life lessons. And then I, I she hung up and I'm not allowed to talk to her daughter or her husband anymore. So that's how that went yesterday for Memorial Day. But you guys both have kids, right? I do. Does that happen often? Like, I don't have children. Like, you ever have that moment where, like, you say something and they actually use it and you just get so proud? Like, I, I understand that. I understand. You had to, you had to make it more relatable, yeah. right, Kenny? Yeah. If you had to said, you know, don't be a Matt Kuchar, your boy, your enemy, you know, for snitching, yeah, yeah, you I wouldn't know. have been as serious yeah. as snitches get stitches, little girl. And then moving on. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I was dead serious when I told her that. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, no. And, and I mean, that's a great age. You know, my son's <laughs> birthday um, is today. He's four. So he's kind of oh, at nice. that I've age where one, they repeat everything you say, uh, but two, they can kind of process, you know, have full conversations and kind of, they can understand it. But uh, just to piggyback on uh, your story, cause it's kind of funny. You know, I went to high school with a kid uh, also named Kenny and he is that guy, right? He is uncle Kenny. He's that guy. He's still single, has no kids, but he's, you know, in all of our groups, all of our weddings, all of our text messages. And 
it's always like, oh, what's Kenny doing? You know, he's uh, that's the bad influence on everybody. So, yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, I'm definitely that guy. I've definitely been banned to see like some of my friends. Like it takes a while for to, to me to get on the unbanned list with some of these wives. But whatever, I live my life. All right, so let's talk about last week, um, the Colonial. Kevin Na getting that W. I did say roster all Koreans last week. Now, if you rostered anyone else other than Na, it probably sucked. <laughs> but I did roster Kevin Na. Uh, so it was nice having him getting that W. His little daughters yeah. might be the cutest thing I've ever seen in the world. Little Sophia or whatever running around might be the cutest little girl I've ever seen in my life. But a great win by him. I mean, it wasn't just a win. It was like I put my stamp on that shit type win. Like it wasn't even close. He he never really felt the pressure. One thing I did notice about Na is he played pretty damn quick. Like on that back nine, especially on that 18th hole, he just teed up and yoked that drive. A little bit of a draw, almost a stringer, a stinger. It was a beautiful, beautiful shot. Um, another thing about last week, the carnage uh, that was felt in the DFS world. I mean, if you look, I think only four of the 12 golfers over $9,000 made the cut last week. You don't see that often. I look back, I think it's like if you're not, not counting majors, I think it's it, it, – it, there haven't been like eight golfers in the nine K range that missed the cut in the last like three or four events. So it's a pretty rare thing. You see all this crazy carnage uh, coming along. The one bonus is, uh, you know, cash game cornerstones. I did have Paul Casey, but so did everyone else. So that's when I say like ownership really doesn't matter uh, that much in cash games because he was about 60 to 70% owned in double ups. Uh, I had him. He was my only missed cut. I went five for six and I easily cashed. No sweat, not even a worry. Um, how, what did you guys, Ryan? What did you think of the tournament last week, and how did you do DFS wise and gambling wise? Good. Um, I'm glad that we got this far into the podcast without mentioning Jordan Spieth, which we'll get to. Um, <laughs> yeah. I did pretty well. You know, I I actually did have um, a ton of Ricky Fowler. He was my highest owned. Had him in cash, but kind of part of that um, was I did not expect him to be as high owned as he was. He was almost he was probably 10% more than yeah. I thought he'd be. So uh, that was just kind of a, a bad call on uh, my part. But no, I mean, I did pretty well. I had Na in cash, in single entry. Um, and I had a lot of CT Pan, so that was uh, very helpful as well. Oh, nice. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, back to your point, I think overall it was a combination of a couple of things. Number one, that golf course, it really brings any player back into it. And really... Every I mean, player. Yeah, I mean, and specifically the shorter, more accurate hitters who you know, may not been able to play well at, at Quail Hollow, at the Bethpage Black, et cetera. And then number two, just being the week after a major, I think there's always some sort of unpredictability there. And I think you saw that with a lot of guys, if it was Fowler or Rose um, or Rom missing the cut or uh, Xander, you know, there was just, there was a lot of uh, bad stuff going on last week. Yeah. I mean, like I had Fowler as my highest own. Mm-hmm. I had him over 50%. I had Rose like 40% Molinari, like 35%. I had a lot of, you know, stacks with those three guys. Uh, somehow I still won. I still won. I won like a dollar and 76 cents. Like I put in like $430, $435 in entry fees. I got back $436 and 75 cents. So I want, that's the way it's been going for me this, this year. I've been so poor on GPPs, but my cash has been so good. Uh, Tampa, how'd you do? Oh, we don't need to talk about that, but I'll tell you, I had the highest own. <laughs> I'll tell you, I had the highest own, Ken. You didn't mention him. Ryan didn't mention him. I had Paul Casey, the highest own, the guy that we loved on the podcast last night, last week. I had him in one and done. I had him everywhere. And uh, I never go really too overweight, so I had like 45% of them. That's sort of my cap on guys, just in case something like that happens. 
Uh, it was it was overall not terrible. I mean, I got some money back in the forty four dollar, which was in the four figure range, being in for a little more than that. But um, yeah, you know, the fact that I could still have like a seventy eighth place finish with that much ball Casey was kind of encouraging. But as far as the tournament goes, the NOS swag is killer. Like this guy, he wasn't quite doing the walk ins. Yeah, 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 the dude, dude's yeah, not he, he talked about not. They talked about on the broadcast anyway about him not walking them in anymore because I guess he did it and one lipped out. But he was still doing his little moves. He was like a Ho Sung Choi, but with thirty million in the bank, uh, giving the car to Kenny at the end as caddy and say, "See that car? Points in it. That's yours." And then he, I heard it on the broadcast, and it was like ten minutes later he mentioned. It, he goes, "Yeah, I'm giving that to Kenny." So I thought that was pretty cool. And then, and then just like you said, some of his shots were a lot faster. Like he was just rolling with it. And it looked like uh, there was no chance he was going to give it up. And, and he had that one bogey, the one shot that he really did agonize over. And then after that, the next hole, he made like a huge birdie and, and gave Kenny a fist pump again. And was like, here we go. And it was like, he was never, no turning back. Finau just didn't do enough. CT pan got in the mix again, another fairways and greens course for him. So uh, a lot of stuff went on, but the, to see that you said three or four events, since that many guys missed the cut up in that range. I, I just don't remember it happening like that. Like it was carnage. I think it was something like 10, 10 out of 12 for like, I think Rose was the only guy and what he finished with like 40 points or something ridiculous. It's just was crazy. So I, it's not a range that I often skip. So that's going to happen, but it's just all how you build your lineups. And, and last week wasn't a good one for me, but uh, overall so, solid, uh, solid results and knowing what happened and what went wrong. And we move forward to this week. All right, so let's actually get to uh, the listener league for this week. Uh, my dumb ass didn't have it set up, but we'll go over it. I think the winner last week was Bernardino Cardenas with a little Gups corner action there uh, yeah. for you guys. Yeah, pretty solid. He uh, he took down the listener league with 440 points. He had Justin Rose, uh, who finished you know 58th at 9.5%. Matthew Fitzpatrick, who finished 64th at 6.5%. Kevin Na, uh, who finished first. Um, Jimmy Walker, who had a pretty nice week, uh, finishing in um, top 20 with 4.5% owned in the Listen League. Russell Knox, who was one of my cash game cornerstones. He really helped big time. 16.5% uh, owned, uh, you know, finished in the top 10. And uh, old man Jim Fjord, 14.5% owned, finished in the top 15. So, uh, Tampa, what do you think of the lineup there, buddy? I liked it. Um, you know, he got away with the one at the top that we just mentioned, actually, Justin Rose. So it actually was 48 points that Justin Rose had, but it was enough to squeak it through. And then the rest of the guys, he had Nah, he had Knox. Those guys scored pretty well. It, it's tough on a week like this. I, I don't want to go all the way down the list or spend too much time, but I, I wonder what uh, Casey was owned in this. I've got mine. I'm pretty sure I had him. So uh, what was Casey in this tournament? I think like 35%. No, he was uh, 41%. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that shuts it down real quick. It is what it is. Um, this guy, yeah, Gup's corner guy. It was awesome to see. Nice lineup, some good spacing. Got to shout out Nick Verone again. Uh, he came fifth last week, and now he came for, or the week before, and now he came fourth this week. So, uh, good on him. He's going to get there soon. He's like uh, some of these guys coming into form that we're going to talk about today and see if they can take down a tournament here soon and see what happens this week. Ryan, what you think of the lineup? I'm sorry about that. I was muted for some reason. Um, I think the key to that lineup was that... New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend. Brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that. Because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. 
Rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Duncan. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. He was carried by the T-64 by Matt Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your boy. That was, yeah, that's clearly what got him there. Um, yeah. No, that was a great lineup. Yeah, I mean, there were a ton of bombs at the top, so uh, Rose did way more than Casey or Louie or Fowler or Rom or any of those guys. So, um, yeah, a very strong team. And... Um, yeah, anytime you get the winner in there and there's a lot of carnage, you know, you're going to do pretty well. Yeah, I mean, he got 66 through, and I think less than 5% of all lineups uh, in GPPs. That's what it was, yeah. Even less even less, even less in double-ups had 6 of 6 through. So, really solid lineup by Bernardino Cardenas. Uh, we will be seeing you in a four-man this week because we will be adding Mr. Baroff uh, to our competition. All right. So before we get into uh, this week's tournament, I'd like to stop and take a minute, talk about GupsCorner.com. You know, GupsCorner.com, use promo code DGEN and get a 25% off a subscription for a year or a month. And now when I say a year, it's not till the end of the season. It's 365 days uh, from the time you sign up. It's so worth it, especially with football season coming on here soon. The guys over at Gup's Corner are really sharp at football. They're really sharp at at, at, um, at golf. You know, last week, you know, Gup himself won five figures, and there was multiple people, uh, maybe close to a dozen people who subscribed, who won four figures or more uh, last week using Gupscorner.com. They got the ownership projections. They got Gup's rankings. They got uh, Tambo's weekly article. They got Ruby's weekly article. They got Buck's course breakdown. Uh, they got a bunch of guys, sharp guys who give out uh, betting picks on all different types of sports, and they win more often than not. It's a really great site. Remember to use promo code DGEN. Get 25% off uh, your subscription for a month. With $15 for, is a regular price for a month. I think $115 is a regular price for uh, a year. The year-long subscription is worth it. Like I said, it's not just till the end of the season, it's 365 day uh, subscription from the time you order. And Kenny, right, so just just to clarify, pro- yep. promo code DGEN25. Oh, sorry, guys. That's right. DGEN25. Use promo code DGEN25. All right. So this week, the world's best golfers head to Dublin, Ohio to play Jack's tournament, a.k.a. the Memorial from Mirfield Village. Uh, Jack Nicholas helped design the course at Mirafield and created this tournament in 1976. Since then, it has become one of the premier non-major events on tour, with most of the top golfers in the world coming to play this event year in and year out. Like last week, this is an invite-only tournament with around 120 golfers in the field, and with the cup still being you know, top 70 in ties, uh, so an aggressive approach in lineup construction could be a good idea. Uh, many different types of golfers have won here in the past, and a majority of the winners here the last 20 years have been older golfers in their 30s. Uh, notable winners include Hideki, Kucher, Rose, Stricker, Tiger. DJ has multiple top fives. Adam Scott has multiple top five. Spieth has a top five. Fowler has had a couple. And really, out of the top golfers in the world for the last decade or so, only the local boy Jason Day hasn't been able to notch a top finish. With nearly 60% of the golfers in the field making the cut, starts, and scrubs lineups are a very viable option this week in GPPs. Now, we all thought that last week, too. I was going to say, you said that last week, Kenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Didn't really turn out that that well. But I I seriously doubt that we'll see that type of carnage uh, again this week. What happened last week is extremely rare. Now, even though it's not something I personally like doing, a stars and scrub approach in cash games is viable due to the talent in the 7K range. With the reduced field and less than 50 golfers, 
rosters getting cut. It might be something to think about this week when making your cash lineup. Personally, I'll have a balanced approach in cash because it is that's the way it's been working for me really well. It's my best season ever uh, in cash games, and I've been going with a balanced approach. So that's the way I'm going to continue doing it. Now, Mirfield Village is a 7,392-yard par 72 with four par threes and four par fives, most of which are reachable in two. Off the tee golfers will see tree-lined fairways that are above average in width with deep fairway bunkers and water in play on 11 holes. The water is quite tricky here as creeks sometimes run along uh, side the entire hole and in some cases cross through the middle of the fairway. Now, with wide fairways, you'd think this is a driver-heavy course, but last year it actually ranked in the bottom 10 of courses on tour in driving distance. Many golfers club down here to avoid the trouble that surrounds the fairways and the fact that positioning off the tee is very important in getting approach shots close. Golfers that miss these fairways will have to deal with thick three-inch rough, which will make the approach shots into these small screens more difficult. And also, if you hit it in the bunker, um, you know, off the tee, it, it's 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 penal. I mean, you. I think the tour average is forty nine percent of golfers get it up and down from a fairway bunker, or get it uh, make par from a fairway bunker. I think only forty percent of golfers that hit fairway bunkers here at the Memorial uh, make par. So it's a pretty big difference. Um, now, leaving the ball below the hole is important here, as many of the greens slope from back to front. Golfers that hit over the greens will have very difficult and lightning-fast chips. If they hit it deep and the pin is in a back location, it's almost an auto bogey or worse. Uh, now, there has been a good amount of rain in the area this spring and recently, and there are possible wet conditions Wednesday night and Thursday, so it might be a little easier than usual to hold these greens out of the rough. The softening of this course from rain can drastically change the difficulty. Uh, in 2015, the course was soft, and the average daily score was under par, making Mirfield Village the 23rd most difficult course on tour that year. Uh, in 2013, the conditions were dry, and the course was playing fast and firm. That year, Mirfield Village was the sixth most difficult course on tour. The greens are bent grass, a little bit of poe in them too, and are usually firm, depending on the weather, of course, and lightning quick with a stint meter rating of 13 or more. Once again, water and sand come into play around these greens, and the greens themselves are somewhat hilly, undulating, and they are multi-tiered. Uh, the final three-hole stretch is very difficult with a long par three and two very long par fours with danger all around. So if you get a guy uh, close to the cut line uh, finishing up this back, uh, finishing up the back nine uh, on Friday, you know, say a little prayer. Uh, since the fairways are fairly easy to hit, the course is definitely an approach shot driven course. Finding golfers with a good iron play and a good short game will be key this week. Ryan, uh, why don't you give us some insight about the course and your dealings and your familiarity with it? Well, you kind of nailed that. You probably don't even need me at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I really agree with a lot of that. You know, I, I think for a while this course kind of got lumped in with some others that maybe off the tee was more important, but. Uh, that really does not seem to be the case at all. And I mean, kind of just looking back recently, not only guys that have won here, but, you know, guys who have been close, you know, Benny on Kyle Stanley, Kevin, Knott, Kevin Chapel. Like, I mean, these are not off tee guys. These are approach guys. So um, that is definitely kind of what I'm looking at. Um, I think par four scoring, which you mentioned is very important, specifically um, the six holes that are over 450 yards. So that 450 to 500 range, I think is going to be big. And um, I kind of looked at, kind of overall those numbers, but then also guys who have played well on the par fours here. And um, uh, Justin Rose was actually number one on both lists. So that was pretty interesting. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, this is a Nicholas design. Any Jack Nicholas design is going to put an emphasis on the approach game. Um, it's definitely the uh, uh, kind of an all around test. You know, he always says you got to drive it well, you got to chip and putt well. But I mean, Jack Nicholas made his hay with his iron game. So that's what I'll be looking for here. Tambo, anything to add? No, I think between you two, you nailed it. Um, it's so tough, this top range, Kenny. Let's get into it. But I think this is the, probably the hardest top range I've seen in a while. Now that you know, you mentioned a Fowler stat before we started that you're going to get into. And then Ryan just mentioned about Rose on both those lists. It's just killer at the top here. And then, of course, you got Rory, Tiger, and the flavor of the week, Patrick Cantlay. So interesting to see what we do here. What do you got, Kenny? I mean, first off, before, I would like to say something about the par four scoring here at Mirrorfield Village. If you look at the um, the the top three finishers here the last 13 years, uh, 42 of 49 golfers were inside the top 70 in par four scoring. 38 out of 49 golfers were actually inside the top 50 in par four scoring for that year. They finished top three. Um, so, yeah, par four scoring is definitely going to be important here. I know you get the, the, the real scoring comes from the par fives. That um, they're not that too difficult. They are that they are all of them are birdieable. So that's where the majority of the scoring is going to come from. But these guys got to hold on, like uh, Ryan said, on the longer par fours. And the par four scoring is going to be something that I will be having a, a good eye towards as we get into it. But let's get into this top segment here. We have um, who we have? We have uh, Cantley all the way up to Rory. Why don't we start with our guest, Baroff? Who you got in this range? Sure. Let me add one more thing on the course before I dive into this. So uh, there's an interesting um, kind of correlation here with course history here versus last week um, at Colonial, which again, it doesn't seem like they're quite the same course, but I really think they are. This is a slightly more beefed up, but um, kind of looking back, kind of even back to um, uh, Jack Nicholas was the first player who won both of the events. So there are uh, six guys, Nicholas, uh, Tom Lehman, Tom Watson, uh, Kenny Perry, Steve Stricker, Justin Rose, who have won both. But that's not really kind of what I was looking at. Kind of recently, nah, won Charles Schwab, finished second here. Uh, Kevin Kisner, who won last year at Colonial, has a sixth and an eighth recently here. Uh, Zach Johnson, two-time winner at Schwab, finished runner-up at the Memorial. Rory Sabatini, won at Colonial, finished runner-up here. Jason Duffner, Two runner-ups at Colonial. He's a winner here. Furick, two runner-ups at Colonial. He's a winner here. Wow. Um, and then lastly, Matt Kuchar has probably the best course history here. He's finished runner-up at Colonial. So um, kind of not sure what you guys want to make of that, but I think there's a very strong correlation where we may see a lot of the same guys. Mm -hmm. um, cough, cough, Tony Finau, who <laughs> popped last week, who could do well this week. All right. Uh, so who do you like in the ranges up top? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's obviously very loaded. Uh, you know, it's, it's very tough for me to say anything bad about Rory McIlroy. Um, stats are off the charts, pretty solid course history. I think he has four top tens here uh, in his career. So I think he's there. Um, I think I'll go through the guys that I don't like <laughs> um, kind of looking up there, you know um, I think you mentioned Patrick Cantlay as, as like bottom of that range. Um, I think he's the one guy who uh, due to ownership and just the fact that I'm, I'm not really high on him. Um, I'd probably stay away and then kind of mostly that range below, but uh, kind of ranking the guys up there. Um, I think Rory Rosenfowler um, are the top three, not, uh, not sure what the order would be. Um, I think all three of them are going to be fairly low owned this week relative to where they should be. Um, so I'm happy, you know, staying away from tiger and all those guys, uh, Rory Rosenfowler, if I'm paying up, I'm going right up to the top for them. Now, I know, Tam, but you got a, sort of an opposite feel about Cantley this week. Why don't you go about th this top range? 
Well, yeah, the, my take right now, like one thing I talk about on the pod all the time and the slack over at Gup's Corner, just with you guys separately offline, but you know, I don't like fading someone just because of ownership. So what I do is I'll look for reasons why or why not and what's going on around there. So the thing about Cantley is he, he does line up pretty well for stats. He does line up from, you know, form, history, results, everything that he's got going on right now. And what I like is the price is 10-2. So I always look for things like this, you know, when if he was 9,700, I think he would be 30% owned. I, I'm starting to feel like he's going to be the guy everyone starts talking about fading. Or sorry, everyone wants to play, but then by the end of the week, everybody start, you know stops clicking the button because they hear all these pods about fading him and articles saying, well, if he's going to be that high owned, you can't play him, blah, blah, blah. And even if he comes in at like 17%, I'm fine with having like 30% of the, to the field and still being good and, and clean in my other 70% of my lineups. And that's on a lot of lineups, right? I'm going to play 150 lineups or whatever it is. So, uh, you know, when someone says I got them 100% and they play one lineup, I, I don't really care. Of course you do. You have everybody 100%. I'm talking about when I got him in 30% of my lineups, I still got some good range to cover off with the other 70%. That's why you can still have some outlier lineups or some lineups come through. Uh, like I mentioned last week, even with all the Casey taking me out of it, I still had a way to get in the top 100 and have a chance on Sunday. But didn't pan out. Um, so I got that take on Cantlay right now. I, I think it's a strong play. The ones I'm having trouble with are really between Tiger, Rose, and Fowler. I am going to play Rory. Uh, I like Rory a lot, and I think a lot of people – you mentioned it earlier, Kenny. I'll go into this quick. You said, you know, we joked about how we said last week it was Stars and Scrubs, and it was. I, I love when it's like this. And what I love even more this week is I think last week will scare people off, yet we talked about how rare that is. People know that's a rare scenario. You never see it where 10 out of the top 12 guys don't do shit and you, everyone pays up for them. So I think a lot more people will end up going balanced this week. Uh, and there's still some plays that we'll get into today. It is a smaller field, which means more likely. I still like Stars and Scrubs. And I think a lot of people will avoid Rory McIlroy at that very high price tag of 11.5. Uh, my real dilemma, like I said, is with the next three. I don't really like playing Tiger at high dollar. Uh, a lot of people are talking about him, how he lost eight strokes putting or whatever last year and still came 24th or 28th or whatever it was. So I'm not so sure there. Uh, Rose and Fowler is where I'm having the biggest struggle, and I'm leaning Fowler, but then Baroff just came in with the Rose take, so that one's undecided as of now. So uh, what, what do you got, Kenny? Maybe you can convince me different here. Well, Fowler is my favorite play in this range. Uh, this one little stat that I dug up about Ricky Fowler is uh, pretty incredible. Uh, since 2017, Ricky Fowler has lost strokes with his approaches 13 times in a PGA event with strokes gained stats. His finishes in his next PGA event played first, uh, second, first, seventh, eighth, second, miscut, second, 26th, fifth, fifth, second, and fourth. So, and then he lost strokes with his approaches last week. Um, at at Colonial, that's pretty impressive track record for when you you know what now it's definitely a narrative. You can't delve too much into that information, but the one thing it does tell me is you know how consistent Ricky is with his iron play. Uh, he rarely ever has bad back to back weeks. Um, yeah, you know he had a couple extra days to rest to get back and you know get some get some practice in. 
Um, so I'm going Fowler as my favorite play in this range. I think he bounces back. Uh, you know, it, those numbers really, they, they, they paint a pretty picture about how he's done after he struggled with his irons. And, I, and it's not a small, tiny sample size. It's 13 freaking events. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So it's not like the smallest sample size there is. The guy bounces back after a poor performance with his irons often and almost all the time. Um, so I do like Fowler. He's going to be my favorite play. Um, I'm playing Rory just like you are, Tambo. I, I'm with you on Rory. I don't think there's any way to fade him. Uh, I'm probably on the Patrick Cantlay fade boat uh, like Ryan. I just can't really pay that much for him. And I think he's going to be I, I think he's going to be over 20% owned. I think he'll probably be the highest owned golfer in this 10K range. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'd rather have Ricky Rose. I mean, listen, listen to these names, Fowler, Rose, Woods, or Rory. You know, I mean, who would you really – if you weren't thinking about the course, if you didn't have the stats all in front of you, uh, would you would you take Kenley? Uh, probably not. Uh, so, you know, he looks like he's a fade for me. So I'm going to play Fowler. I'm going to play Rory. And then I might play Justin Rose after what uh, Ryan just said about that stat, about how good he's been at par fours uh, here, specifically at the Memorial, and how important it is, at least to me, par four scoring is here. One, one last thing too, Kenny, I, I just want to bring up quick is, you know, just back to what you said there with the price being up. And, and like you said, both of you on a little bit of the fade train here, just a, a few weeks ago at Wells Fargo, which is also a very strong field, people were dying to play Hideki at 11K. And it, and it went poorly for them, as I suggested, when he finished 31st for $11,000. And so I like the little bit of a discount still with Cantlay for 800 bucks less at 10-2. And for a guy that's actually performed better, I like Hideki in this field. We'll get to it in a second. But uh, Cantlay at 10-2 is a little less than that. And that field was still pretty packed with Rory, Rose, Ricky, all guys that finished ahead of him. So maybe a similar situation, but I'm, I'm going to bank on the fact that he won't actually get the ownership everyone thinks. And at 10-2, I'll even start some lineups with Cantlay this week because I think he does have the firepower to win. All right, so let's move on to this 9K range. I'm going to go ahead and get us started because I got two of my cash game cornerstones here uh, up in this range. First off, it's pretty easy. Matt Kuchar at $9,400. With the way he's been playing, I hate his ass. You all know this, right? But uh, the way (laughs) that he's been playing this year, it's been exceptionally strong. He's really good at this course. The, the, the price, I think, is under what he should be priced. I think him and Cantley could possibly be switched, or him and Spieth could possibly be switched uh, price-wise. So I think you're getting a discount uh, with Matt Kuchar. I mean, his stats line up. I don't even need to say all his stats and stuff. The guy is just having an unbelievable season, plays this course well. Um, I have The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org.
no issues using Kucher. He's my first cash game cornerstone pick. My second cash game cornerstone pick is going to be Hideki Matsuyama at um, $9,100. Again, a guy who's got his first win here. He hasn't had like the greatest finishes here um, throughout the last month or two. Uh, but it's slowly been improving. I mean, you look at 32nd of the Masters, 31st of Wells Fargo, 23rd of the Byron Nelson, 16th of the PGA Championship. And we know that this guy has been exceptional with his irons. Uh, he hasn't lost strokes with his irons uh, in, in over uh, in, in, since the PGA Championship last year. Uh, that's pretty impressive stuff. But the one thing that I did notice about him that's been really improving this year, and that's why you don't see uh, too many miscuts from him. You always see him at least inside the top 35 uh, in most of his finishes. Is he's around the green play. Uh, it's going to be needed here, especially, you know, these greens are not big. They're smallish greens, especially for, you know, it being a 7,400-yard course. Um, and so, you know, you, the around the green game is going to be important, and he's been exceptional. Uh, I think he's only lost one strokes one time this season around the greens, and that was the first event of the year uh, at Sony. Uh, so the guys, I think, it, you know, he's slowly getting back to the form that he once had a year, two years, three years ago. Uh, I think he makes for a really good, safe play. I think he'll make the cut. There's, I don't think he'll miss the cut. Uh, I did say that last week about Casey and stuff like that, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and so, I, you know, and, and he has that upside here. So I do like him. My favorite GPP play is probably going to be Justin Thomas. I know people are worried about um, his wrist injury, but what he said at the PGA Championship uh, when he skipped the event was that he didn't want to endanger his future uh, just to play one event. And so if he's playing this week, my guess, odds are he's 100% healthy. And you get 100% healthy Justin Thomas at $9,300. You got to jump on it, I think. Well, what do you, what do you think there, Tambo? Yeah, that, that's um, sort of where I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how the ownership comes in here, basically, because, you know, as far as T3PO's go, the first one I thought of was, you know, everyone's going to follow the boat on uh, Kucher. Or, or sorry, on Finau, because of the week that he just had, his history here, his ability, and right away, I'm with you on Kucher. So, I mean, it is what it is. It's the start of the week. I guess Kucher is going to get pretty popular too, it looks like. But, uh, you know, I'm happy to play Kucher over Finau. We talk about this a lot on this podcast around the fact that, you know, I'm playing winners. Finau doesn't win. Kucher does. Kucher's having the best year of his life and coming into a course that he's had one of his best histories at. So uh, I'm happy to play Kucher over Finau. And, and that's where I'm saying, again, I'm happy to pay 10-2 for Cantlay than I am 9-6 for Finau. It's actually surprising if you look at the stats with Kucher over Finau. Um, in the last 50 rounds, Kucher's crushing him in greens and regulation. He's beating him in birdies or better. He's beating him in scrambling. Beating him, he's fourth in par 4, 450 to 500. And he even beats him on the par 5s, which is surprising because last year... Finau, you know, Finau really... Uh, what I've noticed about Finau is he, he hasn't been really that great at par 5s that often. Like, there's a lot. Of times that's where, what I mean. He's, he's been yeah. scrambling his ass off lately. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, We've got to talk about Spieth, cause especially with Baroff on here and all the, the lovely drama that we have on Twitter when Spieth <laughs> goes berserk with his putter. But maybe, Ryan, go through this range a little bit. The other guys I like quick just are Hideki Matsuyama... Um, for sure. And then uh, I'll go into the next range after that. What do you think of this range, Ryan? And talk to us about speed. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing that I would say is, you know, why play Kucha over Fina when you can play both, right? True. Uh, I yeah. will probably. You, 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 yeah. Very easily. Very easily. I, I'm probably going to have both in cash. So, um, and, and uh, yeah, those are probably my two favorites. It's strange kind of going through this, you know, and I mean, you could think back a year, two years, whatever, but probably the three guys that I'm avoiding are 
probably the three best players here, right? Spieth, JT, and Jason Day. Um, probably the three that I'm not going to play. Uh, my thing with um, kind of Justin Thomas, because you brought it up, Kenny, I think the combination of the price tag and the fact that he has an eighth and a fourth the last two years here, I think people are probably looking for a reason to play him. Uh, this is the lowest price he's going to be, you know, he wouldn't be playing if he wasn't 100%. But look, kind of, I can tell you, and I mean, I don't want to make assumptions about the injury. There is no harder injury in golf than a wrist injury. Yeah, it is more true. mental than it is physical. Um, it comes from the short game. It comes from every time you take a swing and hit the turf, you do not know how your wrist or hand is going to react. So um, I am definitely taking a, a wait and see approach. I, I, I like it. I, I like it. Drive that healthy. ownership down. Drive um, that ownership down, Barof. Uh, Drive it down. Name, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, but the one name, if, if we're including this one, uh, that I think is finally going to go under-owned is Xander Shoffley. Um, he doesn't rate out particularly well here, but I mean, with Xander, that doesn't really seem to matter. Um, he plays hard golf courses really well. Uh, he burned a lot of people last week. And I think um, you may see him as the guy who drops to like 8 9% on this week in this range. I could definitely see that. Um, Tambo, why don't you head us into this 8K range? Yeah. One, one last thing on JT, because I forgot that's what the original question you flipped to me was. The I think I read somewhere early yesterday that the Bridgestone is sort of like a little bit of a corollary course here. And the last time that JT was priced like this was when I faded him on Twitter in front of everybody oh, he when, he was, down, right? when he was $8,800. <laughs> right, and and right. I said, this is the scam of the li- of life right now for $8,800. This is ridiculous. This is just a trap city. And then everyone that was sharp played him and my dumbass didn't. And he went on to win the thing at 8800 You could make like the nuts lineups with him. It was just so yeah. easy. I'm scared we see that again. The interesting part is I posted on Twitter as a joke with the injury report, but the guy does still have tape on his wrist. He admitted, and he's been pretty cordial and pretty honest on Twitter, saying that it was his first time out just four days ago now. This is three days from yesterday that he said it was his first time out playing. And then yesterday when he was out again with Tom Lovelady, he still did have the wrist uh, tape on. So I'm not sure how healthy he is, but I think – I don't know. We'll see where his ownership comes in. I'm going to play him in some GPPs because I'm not making that mistake twice. I do like him there. But I like your call on Xander because uh, Hideki's going to be popular. And like you said, Xander was my um, second pick here for my second T3PO. I'll get into it right off the top. So my my second one is going to be uh, Gary Woodland over Bryson DeChambeau, the defending champion. Mm-hmm. Bryson is just a mess right now. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going on with this guy, but we're not seeing the same Bryson. I know he has that winner's upside. So when you talk about playing, you know, certified bona fide winners over other guys, like I always talk about, this is just one where he just doesn't have that in him right now. Of course, he could pop back at any time. Um, but I think, you know, it's going to be a whole different scenario this year. So uh, I would gladly play Xander over him, but I, I, I like Woodland a little bit more. Uh, Woodland really pops to me as far as the stats are concerned. We saw him have a good PGA championship. Solid and birdies are better. Uh, solid and par five scoring, proximity, par four, 450 to 500, everything. T to green, all what we expect to see and what's needed here. So uh, that's my second one. Underneath that, I really like Adam Scott. Uh, I like Henrik Stenson. I don't know if Louie got his bed, so I'll put that aside. But um, Henrik Stenson, 8500 I think, is a solid price. And then Rory Sabatini and Jason Kokrak, to round it out, uh, I think both those guys, Sabatini's just been on a tear. This guy is waiting to get a win or another top five, and they keep pricing him fairly. 
I'm not sure on Kokrak's history. It doesn't look too good to me. So that kind of scared. I know bad. his history. I'm saying it's, but I'm he, saying, he, I know his history. I'm saying it's bad. It's not good. So yeah. I'm not sure if that's going to matter or not because he's been a different golfer right now. Uh, so I'll probably play him in GPPs, but I do like Sabatini there. Uh, what do you guys got? Or Kenny, what do you got here? Uh, my third cash game cornerstone is in this range. It's going to be Adam Scott at $8,700. Now, if you look back uh, since Tony Finau won the Puerto Rico Open, what, what, 2016, 2017, I forget which year he won it. Uh, Tony Finau has the most top tens on tour without a win. Uh, number two, Adam Scott. Uh, the guy's actually been having a really, really consistent season. I mean, he's sort of uh, – he hasn't played too much, but he's sort of been flying under the radar. And if you look at his starts, you know, a bunch of top 20s this year. I think one, two, five out of his last seven or so events. Uh, he's had a top 20, bunch of top 10s. Uh, the guy's been having a pretty decent year. Um now, it was pretty amazing that, you know, he finished in eighth place at the PGA Championship and lost strokes with his approaches. Uh, but his short game is holding on. And now he's finally, I don't know if it's really going to happen, but it looks like he's sticking with the long putter. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but it looks like it. Either way, his putting has been a lot better this year. You go supreme ball striker at a course like this who's having an upside in putting. Um, I'm in for Adam Scott this week as my third cash game cornerstone pick. I do like Stenson. I do like Woodland, and I like Sabatini just like you. This Sabatini role is pretty incredible, especially when you consider, I mean, it's basically like he's basically like Matt Kuchar light this season without the wins. Like the guy's just having a renaissance season out of nowhere, and I could see it keep on going. So I do like Sabs. Uh, Baroff, who do you like? Yeah, this is um, <clears throat> a pretty interesting and a pretty polarizing range, really. Um, I agree with uh, Tyler that there's something wrong with Bryson. Um, I didn't have any last week, but uh, I definitely have no interest there. And no one's going to play Louis. <laughs> probably a good GPP play yeah. for ownership, but uh, probably, yeah, probably can't go there. Uh, not with Drew. Uh, Mickelson, no. Leishman, no. So that leaves me with Kokrak, Rory, Stenson, Scott Woodland. Um, I'm very torn on on Stenson. Um mostly because I think his ownership could get really, really high this week. Um, <clears throat> he fits as that that kind of number three player into a lot of uh, rosters. And even though the course history isn't there, I mean, anyone who looks at his show skin approach numbers and stuff, or, I mean, it's been off the charts the last month. So um, a little bit worried there. And then obviously Rory and Kokrak, at some point, there's got to be some regression. I mean, Kokrak's 15 of 15 cuts. Um <laughs> he has terrible course history and it's mostly been due to putting. He just hates these greens does not do well here. So um, I would probably stay away from that. So I guess that leaves me with Scott and Woodland in this range. And um, I definitely would have uh, Gary Woodland ranked uh, quite a bit higher than Adam Scott. Yeah. I do like both those guys. Um, Woodland, he's had his little ups and downs here throughout the season. Uh, so that's why I sort of don't want to use him in cash, but uh, yeah, I'll use him in GPPs a bunch, probably more. Um, than uh, Adam Scott, just because that's how the way I usually do my cash game approach. Whoever's in my cash game lineup, I tend to use less of because, you know, I'm a one lineup guy in cash. And so that's like 40 to 45% of my bankroll right there. So if I use a guy at like 40% in GPPs as well, that's going to take up like 70, 75% of my bankroll. And I don't really like putting that much stock in one golfer. Um, yeah, that's probably why I suck at GPPs, but whatever. That's that's another story. Uh, so let's move on to the 7K range. Um, I'll go ahead and get us started 
And I'll go with my last cash game cornerstone this week. It's going to be Terrell Hatton um, at $7,700. Hatton had a really good finish. I mean, the correlation is the correlation between Colonial and and this course is true, like you said, and it sounded pretty legit, uh, Ryan. Uh, You know, he had a good showing last week, top 10. I think he finished in eighth place. Um, Mm -hmm. The thing about Hatton is I remember what he said after the PJ Championship that his iron game has never felt so good uh, this year as it did at the PJ Championship. And he backed that up with another stellar uh, strokes gain approach number. And, And the reason why he struggled so much at the PJ Championship was he couldn't make a putt, and he putted well last week so hopefully all the stars are aligning for tire for Terrell to have a good showing another good showing uh you know at this price I'll definitely use him he's my fourth cash game cornerstone um you know he's, he hits a ton of greens good from the sand good par four score good from uh pretty decent from 150 to 175 uh the, the two proximities where the majority of approaches are hit here are 150 to 175 175 to 200 yards um you know he's been pretty decent uh, at those ranges better from 150 to 175 though um and, and you know he, i i think he's he's in for a good ending stretch of the season I like the way his game is that so my four cash game cornerstones for this week are going to be matt kuchar at ninety four hundred dollars hideki matsuyama at ninety one hundred dollars adam scott at $8,700, and Terrell Hatton at $7,700. This leaves you with over $15,000 to fill out your other two picks. Uh, now, GPP-wise up here, uh, or even in cash, I do like Emiliano Grillo. Uh, this seems like it's a, it's another type of course that would suit him well where you know it's not necessarily a bomb and gouge type track. Uh, he can hit his really accurate drives right in the middle of the fairway, rely on his solid approach game. Um, you know, really good top 10 in greens and regulations gain here uh, in the last 12 rounds. Uh, he's been really, really uh, consistent this year, making a lot of cuts. Uh, he's actually third in the last 50 rounds in this field in both proximity from 150 to 175 yards and 175 to 200 yards. He's one of the few people um, in this tournament that are in the top five in both of those ranges in this field. Another one, though, that sort of catches my eye is Jason Kokrak. I think he's the, the only other one that is in the top five in both of these proximity ranges in this field. Um, so I do like Grillo uh, a bunch this weekend. Of course, I did say last week, uh, Bent, he's like sixth in strokes gain putting on bent grass greens in the last 50 rounds in this field. So, you know, we know he's a shitty putter, but maybe something about bent, uh, he does a little bit better. So I do like uh, Billy Horschel. I'm uh, not, not Billy Horschel. Um, um, Freaking uh, Emiliano Grillo. Is like two <laughs> totally different people. But uh, Emiliano Grillo. And I also like Luke List at $7,600. Like, you know, difficult tracks seem to suit him. Like, you know, he's done well at PJ National, which is another jack course. Uh, you know, he, he's been in there. Um, I, I think he's done well at Bay Hill a couple times as well. The guy just tends to do well at these, you know, classical, more difficult tracks, um, you know. And so he had a good showing at the at the PGA Championship. Maybe he can build up a little bit of a run on there. He crushes par fives. So that's where the majority of his scoring is going to get. The one worry, of course, with Luke List is the big number. He, you know, he bogeys and double bogeys a bunch of holes. But if he can somehow avoid that this week, I think he could be in, in, in contention. Uh, Ryan, who do you like in this range, in the top half of the 7K range? <clears throat> Yeah, we have a lot of overlap, and I, I have a lot of names here. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to stay away from um, uh, from Kisner, 
Grio Stanley Glover. So my first one would be Ty Hatton, just like you. Um, I think he's just a very, very good golfer. I mean, he's been inside the world rankings top 25 for a while now. Um, short game is a little shoddy, but the putter is good. Um, and then, like you said, the iron play seems to be coming around. So definitely have a lot of interest in him. Um, you accidentally mentioned Billy Horschel. Uh, Billy Horschel is kind of my Ty Hatton comp uh, on the PGA Tour. Very, very streaky. And he seems to be on one of those streaks right now. The only thing that's missing uh, is the putter. The ball striking, everything like that has been pretty good. Um, and he's usually a good putter, Matt Pit- too. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, it's but definitely something to keep an eye yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, I mean, I love him, but the short game is just not there right now. Uh, Luke List, you mentioned, I think the putting performance at the PGA was quite a fluke. So my next one would be Keegan Bradley. I have a ton of interest in him. Um, I think, again, it's just all about the putting. Have a lot of interest in Jim Furyk. Have a lot of interest um, stat-wise in Streelman, Neiman, Peter Uline. Those would probably be the bottom three for me. Tambo, who do you like? Most the same. A couple different, though. So I, li- I like Grillo a lot, like you mentioned, everything you talked about with him. So I think he's a good setup here. Uh, my third and final T3PO is going to be taking Lucas Glover and playing him over the course history, course comp, stud Kyle Stanley. I hear a lot of early Kyle Stanley talk just based on uh, his results in the past, other courses that match up with it. I I just don't see um, as much upside with him. Glover's another guy who's been having a a really solid year, solid tee to green, um, solid greens and regulations. Putting better. Scrambling. He's putting better for sure. His proximity is good. His par five scoring. So – I don't know if it's GPP or not, but, uh, you know, I like Glover actually on a lot of instances here. So 7800 for him seems like a pretty fair price. Take a stab on some Sung Kang. I'm not as high on Hatton as you guys, and I'll go into it in a second, but Sung Kang is right there for the same price. Uh, long irons have been solid for the last while now. He scores. He scrambles well. Everything's just, you know, top 40-ish or better and a lot in the top 30. So, as far as stats are concerned, I like him and just his form recently. But I'm playing Keegan Bradley over Hatton. And not that you can't play them both. I just mean if I have a choice and I'm ranking them, I'm for sure putting Bradley above. Bradley is 10 tournaments in a row um, gaining strokes tee to green, 10 tournaments in a row gaining strokes gained on approach, lock solid in uh, ball striking, approach, fairways, greens and regulation, proximity, par fours, 450 to 500. Always with him, it's a putter, but he talked earlier in the season about switching up his mentality and just going after fairways. I know a lot more fairways are hit here than the norm, but for him, he's got a pretty strong approach game to go with it. Uh, again, it always comes down to that putting with him, but at 7600 I like his price uh, and his upside. So, uh, Ryan, you mentioned Furyk. That's the other guy. The one mm-hmm. the one I wanted to toss out, I really like Furyk, but the one I wanted to toss out to both you guys at the same price, heard a little chatter on him, whoever wants to take it. But what do you guys think of RCB this week? He seems to be like a, a darling at 7,500. Maybe Ryan, what's your take on that first? Yeah, let me pull it up. In my first kind of glance through, um, <clears throat> it made a lot of sense. I think kind of RCB is the guy that when he looks good on paper, he is such extreme chalk that you can't play him. And then when he does not look good on paper, nobody really wants to play him. So um, <laughs> I think that's kind yeah. of the one – kind of tough part about him. If he's going to be low owned, yes, I would play him. Just kind of looking back, um, <clears throat> his short game, his uh, long-term kind of putting and around the green game is not great. So that worries me a little bit. And then in his last three events, um, he's lost strokes off the tee. PGA, he was bad with irons. So I just don't see a lot there. 
I, I, I'm not really sure. I mean, a talent level wise, you know, for that price, you would think that it's a pretty good price. I'll probably have to play him just because, you know, the guy is a good golfer. He can putt very well. Um, you know, and the one thing, the one real good thing that he does is is par four scoring. I think he's a top five in strokes game par five, par fours uh, in this field in the last fifty rounds. So I'll probably take a peek. Um, you know, you, this range you're going to be using a lot of golfers anyways if you do multi mass enter. So um, yeah, I'll probably play him. Uh, other guys in this range, um, I do like Aaron Wise yep. down below a little bit. The guy, the, the game seems like it's trending upwards. He's, I guess he's used to the, the muscle mass that he put on. Uh, you know, it really affected his game early in the year. I think he's gotten used to it. Now he's back to Aaron Wise. Uh, now he's really back to where he is or where he was. Great golfer, especially now you see uh, these these college kids playing. You know, he is a NCAA champion. Um, I do like him. I do like Neiman this week. Uh, I think he's been playing a little better. But Peter Uline, I'm actually a big fan of him this week. I mean, you look at his uh, last couple of weeks playing, he's been having a really solid little run. And he has great history here also. I think he had a top 10 here last year uh, and was in contention. Uh, one guy, Sneaky, I might I might throw a little bit of Abraham Anther out there. You do have to realize last year he was a first-round leader last year at the Memorial. So he has some good feelings about this course. I feel like his game could set up. Uh, he doesn't make very big numbers that often, which is uh, uh, something you need to do here uh, at the Memorial. There are quite a few double bogeys uh, that, that are made here uh, week in, uh, every year they play. So I sort of like answer as well. Tambo, anybody else in this lower 7K range before we move on? Uh, I like Wise, like you said. I like Answer, like you said. Um, I actually like Knox a little bit at 7,100 to keep it going. So uh, a guy who was all right there last week, and I think he can keep it rolling. And then uh, Ryan Moore. Ryan Moore is at uh, 7,300 as well. Another guy that's just been popping up in a lot of stat categories um, that line up. I can't remember what I saw, and I don't have the same uh, form guide as normal in front of me, but I think he has a pretty good history here as well, actually. Yeah, like he, before, he had a miscut two years ago, but he had a 13th last year, 48th, 18th, 19th, 13th, 22nd, and 5th. Uh, he, he's got a pretty solid history here, and he's been playing well this year as well. So he's another guy I would chuck in there for cheap at 7300 All right. Baroff, why don't you take us into this 6K range? Tell us who you like here. Yeah, uh, unfortunately not very much. Uh, <laughs> I think I mean, I mean, think at the top, you know, Varner is uh, going to get some ownership. You know, he's done okay here the couple times he played. But, I mean, looking back at, at the PGA, you know, it was a hot putter hot around the green game that carried him. You know, he lost a lot uh, strokes gain approach. So <clears throat> I, I guess he's okay, but probably go a different direction. The first guy that I would look at is probably Nick Watney. Um, he, he just continues to be so good ball striking. I, I believe he led the field tee to green last week. Um, and then just, he just can't putt. Um, and historically has not done well here, has not putted well here, but I'll just ride the ball striking a little bit. Uh, beyond that, I mean, really not too much. You know, I dropped way down to the bottom. One name that uh, popped up for me, um, I played him last week, was um, Adam Long. He won the Desert Classic earlier this year, then went through um, a horrible streak, missed a whole bunch of cuts, but seems to have found his ball striking. Um, so that's a very, very deep dart that I would throw in there for uh, maybe top 20, top 25. Tambo. Few guys, yeah. Like I said, I'm going to be going stars and scrubs. So uh, just to run through it quick and name off a few of them, but it's a it's a wider range for me. So I like Corey Connors right out of the gates. If people are going to be on Werner, that's an easy one. I love Harold. He's one of my 
favorite guys on tour. I think he's uh, got a good brand going. I think he's a class act. Love the the story behind him and his nonchalant attitude. I think he's one of the coolest guys. If you don't follow him, he's a great follow on Twitter. Um, but this week, I'm not feeling it. I, I like Corey Connors there, the Canadian brethren, for $6,900. Solid tee to green, ball striking, greens of regulation, proximity, and then good from that 175 to 200 range we talked about. So I uh, will be playing some Connors. I'll go back to Sungjae. I uh, hope people decide that he's played too many rounds and he's just done. But overall, too much talent. 6700 is pretty cheap. Like uh, Barrow's call on Watney, that's, I think, a really good one. Like you said, he, he let it in tee to green, just couldn't find the putter. If he can get hot at 6700 he's a fair price. Uh, juiced, Juice Luton. This guy is uh, 6500 mm-hmm. and, and he's been going – I mean, he's like could be this week's Blix, right? Like he's the type of guy – I don't know. They kind of remind me of the same two Euro dudes with, you know, cool names. He's ranking out pretty good for me this week. And I, I think he's got a, you know, a top 20 upside in him for 6,500 bucks. Um, who else? Let's see. Name a couple more, Kenny. Uh, Von Taylor Dart, 6,200 bucks. Don't know. Kind of like it. Uh, long irons and, you know, he's fair in those, but proximity, scrambling, fairways gained, putt- good putter, like that sort of thing. He, he can pop up. There's someone else I said, though, and it wasn't fucking Panda. Let me tell you that. Um, I'm done with that guy. Panda, let me tell you this. You told me earlier. I did tell you. Sam Ryder. Sam Ryder. I'll go go into that in a second. But let me tell you this about uh, Norman's Zong. Panda boy. I like this guy. I I really do. And I liked him a lot last year. And I hopped on the train with everybody. And I thought this is going to be something bigger than it is. I think he's the Michael Kim style um what is it, the hoskins winner or, or the haskins what's that uh, r- award called that everybody gets and mm-hmm. michael kim has i think it's the, the haskins, haskins yeah Has- yeah he's got it i think he's gonna be michael kim dust the field by like 20 strokes some five years or seven years from now and then we'll be talking about it i don't know if we'll still even fucking be on twitter to talk about that but norman zong not on my radar it was sam Ryder um at i think he's 6100 this week uh, where is he at here? And now I can't freaking find the guy. Yeah, 6,100. Uh, and he was popping for the for the par five scoring uh, and just solid across the board. Like every stat I've got him in that I've named on this podcast, he's like 35th in all of them. So if I can have that for, for 6,100, I tried it last week with Carlos Ortiz and Ryan Armour and it burned me. But I'm really counting on these guys at the top um, to show up at this one and really make something of it. I think the Jack Handshake is worth more than the uh, the 63 Challenger or whatever the hell it was that you win and give to your caddy because you don't want it anyway. Uh, you know, Kevin Noss said afterwards he drives a Lambo. He doesn't want that fucking domestic car. So <laughs> I'll tell you what's up about that. So when you get a handshake from Jack at the end, I think these dudes at the top are actually going to show up. So I'm more excited about using some of these guys down low. What do you got down here, Kenny, in the 6,900 and below range? You know, I think I am going to be one of the guys who jump back on Harold Varner III. Now, what happened to him at the PGA Championship can really get into the minds of young golfers. You know, being in that final group uh, of a major and just shooting like 82 or whatever the hell he shot. It was just horrible golf. And a lot of guys, I think, in that situation would fall off, uh, you know. But I think Harold Varner III is a different type of guy. The stuff usually just brushes off of him. He realizes there's more important stuff to life than just winning golf tournaments, you know? And I think that's a really good attitude to have, especially if you're not one of the best players in the world. And now, 
Uh, and I think I think he can come back from. He can learn from it and come back to a place where he's had success. He's played well here. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't have the form guy in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that uh, he's played well here in the past. I will jump back on him to see if he can continue that run. To see if he can learn something uh, from what happened to him in that final round um, at at, the, at Beth Page. So I'll be back on Varner. Uh, I sort of like Max Homa. He's another guy who, after his win, you know, a lot of these young cats after a win. Uh, they just sort of fall back off, but he's done pretty well. I think he finished top 30 last week, made the cut the week before after his win. Um, and, you know, his recent stats seem to line up for me. I do like Nick Watney, just like both of you guys. I do like Yust uh, a lot, just like you guys. One little flyer I'll probably throw in here is Peter Malnati at $6,500. The guy's just really good on bankgrass greens. I think he's like top 10 in strokes gained putting uh, in the last 50 rounds on bent in this field. So, you know, a lot of the times when it comes down to the 6K golfers, I'll look for better putters. So he's he's definitely on that radar uh, for me. Uh, anybody we miss, guys? No, I think that is good. No, that was about it. Uh, yeah, uh, one thing that I'll say since, since, since Tyler had brought up Sam Ryder is like I looked at this guy in this numbers and I've never been so confused as to kind of what to do. You know, he had a great fall swing. He's notoriously a, a really bad putter, but he's been putting excellent, but everything else has kind of fallen off. So he's got a few weeks where the off the tee is good, a few weeks where the approach is good, but now it's like he's put all his time into working on his putting. So um, yeah, you got me well, thoroughly one, confused. One scary, yeah, you're right. And one scary thing about him, I looked at it a lot as well. The one scary thing that stood out was like all his, you know, third at the Shriners, fourth at Safeway, seventh at Barbasol, and second at John Deere. All of these are easier courses, weaker fields, everything. But the one thing that stood out beyond everything you just mentioned and what I talked about with the stats and the par fives and just being a consistent, obviously, you know, if he's not your sixth man in, you're doing it wrong at 6,100. He better be. But, um, yeah. 33rd at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which we didn't even talk about Matt Every. I'll, I'll talk about him in a minute here in betting. But uh, mm-hmm. that seems to, that's like a mini correlation as well. And so when I saw that 33rd, it was kind of just like a tiebreaker of all the shitty dudes before I thought about taking Panda or going back to Carlos Ortiz. Yeah. Uh, I do like Every uh, as well this week. The guy's been playing pretty good golf. And like I said, there there is, like you said, there is some, uh, some people think that the, there is a course comparison between here and, here and Bay Hill. All right, Tambo, why don't you lead us into the betting segment there, my friend? For sure. Uh, betting segment sponsored by betql.co. Uh, you guys can head over there, download the app. It's available on the Android store as well as the app store for Apple. Uh, really just looking at three main things. Looking at uh, value betting. So they've got algorithms that provide you with all the top value bets of the day right now with baseball, the playoffs going on for basketball, and then obviously when football comes around, it'll be big. Uh, shows all the line movement so you can see how the lines are moving throughout the day to see if you know the money's moving it this that and the other uh, and then public betting is part of that so you can see what where the public has their money whether it's on the money line the spread the over the under whatever it may be uh, with that said Kenny I got a few here I just got uh, four this week and none of them are up top so you know like I just said I'm sure one of these guys will just take it and burn us whether it's Rory or who knows JT at 9300 ends up getting the win uh, but I like Stenson. I talked about him. 50 to 1 with the each way. Got Stenson. Uh, I got Keegan at 80 to 1 with the each way. Top five. Uh, I got Wise at 101. And then I mentioned every there. I got every at 140 to 1 
with the E-Tray. And that's just sort of where I cut it off. I think what I'm going to do is add one of these dudes at the top. I'm just not sure who yet. Uh, I was trying to get some clarification from you guys and Baroff, who's a lot sharper than me. Uh, guys <laughs> like uh, Fowler or Rose. I really think um, as much as he told me about Rose, I think I'm feeling Fowler just because – of, uh, well, you know, he's my boy. First of all, he's my guy. But but secondly, uh, Kenny's stat there was pretty good. And then when you think about Cantlay at 18-1 to 1 and Fowler at 22, that just doesn't add up yeah, to me. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. So I got to think about that one. But I'm pretty sure by the end of the week, I'll have Fowler at 22-1 to 1 as well. What do you got, Kenny? Uh, I'm going to go with Fowler, 22-1. to 1. That's my first one. Uh, then I got Adam Scott at 33-1. to 1. Uh, Luke List at 80-1. to 1. Terrell Hatton at 80 to 1 and Aaron Wise at 100 to 1. Uh Ryan, who you got? Um so I've I've only got 3 so far. Um at the top I did bet Finau. So I bet Finau 25 instead of Cantley Fowler. I just just have a feeling that like kind of this is the week and I'm I'm normally anti Finau. So uh, I got him. I also bet Hatton 80 to 1 and then my last one so far was Keegan Bradley 80 to 1. All right. Nice. All right. So let's do one and dones there, my friend. I'll go first. I have three picks. Uh, last week, I was a fucking idiot. I had I, I ended up going Spieth uh, as my one and done because <laughs> I figured I would never I would never use him again. And then like drunk at like 4 a.m. Thursday morning, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And I went to Rose. And so I, I was dumb. I mean, if I just stuck with Spieth, it would have been a great week. Um, but yeah, I, was, I, I went with Rose. Fuck that up. So. Uh, I'm going to go – I got three go- three golfers this week that I'm thinking of. I haven't decided uh, with the guys that I have left. I'm either going Gary Woodland, Adam Scott, or Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, Ryan, who you got for one and done? Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck here. I'm in a tough spot. Um, I've already burned Fowler, Rose, Xander, Rory. And then uh, I was chasing this segment. I, I took Brooks um, at the Byron Nelson and then had Dustin Johnson. So I uh, was off to a good start but had Paul Casey last week. So – my pick ah. would be Matt Kuchar, um, but I, I will probably end up saving him for the fourth segment. So if I'm not going Matt Kuchar and I need to burn someone, um, I'll probably take uh, yeah, probably take Woodland this week. All right, Tambo. Speaking of Spieth, we gave that guy a pass on this pod. I'm pissed about that. But, uh, yeah, he's not going to gain that many <laughs> strokes this week. We said it last week, and it, it always ends poorly. It burned out, and good for him. But, anyway, moving on. Um, I'm aligned with you, Baroff. I used Casey last week, which sucked because it's in the rules, right? If they do play around or whatever or go through it, it is what it is. So that's how she goes. I am not Mm -hmm. saving anyone for anything because I've already burned them all. And now I'm just doing emotions. Uh, And I've actually got Kucher left over. So I'm pretty pumped to use Kucher and uh, watch him come in, you know, 10th or 7th or something on Sunday. It's going to be awesome. Nice. All right, Ryan. Back why, don't door, you, I guess, yeah. why don't you? Uh, he doesn't do the back door no more. He's straight to the front door now. Fucking kick it in, man. Cheat. Do whatever you got to do, man. Your enemy. Take yeah, it down. Ass motherfucking coocher. I hate that motherfucker. All <laughs> right, Baroff. Why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Sure. Easiest place is Twitter. Our Baroff four two seven. I'm 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 pretty active. Uh, I work from home online, so I'm on my computer a lot. Plus, the DMs are open. Um, I used to do some writing. I, I don't do it anymore. So you can catch me on the Golflandia podcast podcast with Wiley every week. Uh, but again, just I'm happy to talk golf pretty much anytime. Tambo. 
For sure. Th- thanks, Ryan, for coming on. Appreciate it, man. Ryan's super sharp, guys. I'm sure you already follow him, but if you don't, make sure you hit him up. The guy is solid, good guy to talk golf with. Uh, betting is crazy. Always post his card on there. No charge to anybody, which is insane. Uh, good for him. For me, gupscorner.com. Kenny will pump it up with the promo code. You guys should hop on over there. Uh, the Slack chat is now well over a 1,000 people. Uh, it's like a family talking golf 24-7. The price is insanity for what you get with it. Uh, and having a really good season over there. So I want to continue that this week. All right. First off, make sure to check out our sponsors, draft.com. Use promo code DGEN. Get a free $3 ticket when you make a minimum deposit of $10. Check out gupscorner.com. Use promo code DGEN25 to get 25% off a membership for either a year or for a month. And also check out BetQL. Get the app. It's really good for your betting needs. You can find me at on Twitter at KendoVT. Uh, you know, I'm on there all the time posting out crazy shit. I get bored very, very easily. Uh, so, you know, make sure you guys get any questions like Ryan. You can always sh- shoot me a DM. Uh, you can find me on PowerHourPod.com or at my weekly article there uh, as well. Ryan, definitely, we'd like to thank you for coming on. Really, really knowledgeable. Thanks so much. Uh, DJ Nation out there, hopefully you, you learned a little bit about uh, the Memorial uh, Muirfield Village. And it was really nice having you on there, brother. Yeah, my uh, pleasure. Thanks again. Yeah, man. All right. So that's it for this week. Uh, you know, big week, big tournament, lots of money on the line. Let's win some motherfucking money. Degen Nation. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get on all on rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. 